Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Podcast. Let's discuss Power Pop. about to hear is deeply disturbing. You got three minutes to do your thing. A power pop song can define a band in the shortest amount of time possible. I get cold, I get shivers off my Okay, so uh, I'm bringing in my friend Michael. I've known Michael for a long time, and we're going to talk about Power Pop. And uh, Power Pop, to me, really originated probably the middle era of the Beatles, where you have these pop songs, but there's some depth. What I want to do, basically, with this one is just litter it with lots of ear candy. It's not a genre that you can talk about with a beginning and an end. Yeah, you know, to me, when I think Power Pop, one of the first things that comes to mind is, uh, is, is Cheap Trick.
cheap trick is is the embodiment of the yeah. power pop. Well, you've got this wonderful rock and roll guitar playing, great grooving drums, and, you yeah. know, some good melodic backing vocals with some you know wonderful hooks in it. It's called Ear Candy for a reason. To me, you know, like Rain by the Beatles, Paperback mm. Rider. really starts there it's you know there's ticket to ride there's these kinds of songs yeah i mean they're always really short songs they get right to the point to me the drumming is always very active maybe some people might call it overplaying but one of the things i think about like is the drums on uh dreaming by blondie yeah
certainly, if not right on the beat, it's going to be pushing the beat. Yeah. Power pop that's kind of played behind the beat tends to get a little, uh, it tends to be stuff that's darker and moodier. In the 70s, bands like Badfinger, you know, no matter what, pretty good example of what we would call power pop. Certainly. encapsulate pretty much all the elements yeah i would say so but the stuff that was going on that wasn't getting played and wasn't getting noticed years later turned out to be some of the best shit and i'm talking about you know big star those first two big star albums really to me all three big star albums are awesome but as far as power pop goes there's first couple of big star albums it's pretty hard to touch that instead it's just about sits on you know top of the mountain
I also love stuff like XTC, like Mayor of Simpleton. Things he was doing, really cool, really hooky and interesting. These guys, you know, also obviously very Beatle influence. Yeah. The thing is with uh, Power Pop, it doesn't happen on accident. It's like crafted. 
I, I just don't think the songs come as easily as maybe they sound like because somebody has to really think it out. I mean, writing a hook, you might have somebody like a Paul McCartney who can just do it in his sleep, but to do it well yeah. and for it not to be cheesy, pretty amazing. Let's talk about a band that really you turned me on to, which was the Jellyfish. Yes, yes. I mean, talk about power pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though it's hard to admit it's true, I've come to depend on you.
those guys get it. <laughs> they did indeed. And and at a very non-popular uh, time to be doing that stuff. I think it, it uh, kept them from becoming... Might of the grunge era. Yeah. You know, you know, Bay Area guys who were who loved all this stuff went and got, you know, 70s disco producer Jack Joseph Puge. I'm not sure if that's how you say his last name, yeah. to, uh, like, um, produce the first record. The, the thing they were lucky is that they escaped a lot of the 80s production. There's a little bit of it, but not much. Uh, when I go back and listen to those, they don't sound dated in an 80s way to me. You know, I think they went and got that 70s producer and, and probably wanted to steer away from that. Maybe it was one reason they went and, and, and found this guy uh, and said, please don't drench things in <laughs> reverb and we they don't want this synth drums. sounds. We want to get that. Yeah, we want to harken back to, you know, 10 years ago. There's a live Badfinger album they put out in the 80s and they put in a triggered snare. I have it's heard that. It's fucking horrible. And it, it, it is terrible. Just ru- it pretty much ruins. Do you mind talking about your brother? No, not at all. We can certainly do that. Okay. Biggest, biggest influence musically I've ever had. I'd be glad to talk about Good. him. Good. Tell me how Jimmy influenced you. And, you know, I mean, he's your older brother and you guys always had the music. You know, anybody who knew you at all, mm-hmm. that was definitely a connection. Mm, it is, it is. You know, that's the only reason I've done what I've done. Is we were kids, you know, he'd been into rock and roll early age I can remember being five years old him having Kiss records and loving music and and just taking that further and further listening to stuff he played guitar he kept exposing me to great stuff I mean I remember the day that Bon Scott died because my Hmm. brother like grabbed the Highway to Hell record and sat me down on the bed and he goes man this dude died last night in England since 1980 yeah you know I was like nine you know I remember that same thing when John Bonham died you know it was very somber you know, at that point, you also you got a feeling about rock and roll. There was there was something to me, at least, it had this uh, tone about it, knowing that these guys had died and they were young rock and roll guys. It was kind of tragic, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was too young to process all that, but I felt like I should take it. I guess somewhat seriously, or, or show it respect. By the time I was 15, my brother talked my mom and dad into getting me a drum set. Now, and, did he uh, pick out drums for you because that's the hardest part to fill in a band? I have no idea why. <laughs> I have to just. I, I have no idea why he decided drums. But would he's you, the one. Would you be a drummer if it wasn't for Jimmy? No, no. <laughs> he comes home for lunch on my 15th birthday, which is in the middle of the summer, and says, "Hey, get in the get in the truck. We're going somewhere." And uh, what are we doing? He says. Listen, man, mom and dad said, for your birthday, I'm going to get you a drum set. I was just like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> was about this. Where you take you, 2112? So took me, no, this was before that. We went to the music, the music Connection. And we go in there and we just look at a few sets that you know, they were around. It was a you know kind of an entry-level set of Ludwig rockers. And uh, we picked them out, a pair of hi-hats and, a, and like one cymbal. Take it home and uh, trying to figure out how to put it together. <laughs> and my brother's like, well... Hey, you know, you're, left, you're left-handed, so we've got to set the drums up left-handed. Well, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we'll do. And I fell in love with it. Really quickly, I fell in love with playing drums. What was, like, one of the first songs that you played? Uh, when the Levee Breaks. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'd been playing a year, hard as I could, learning as much as I could, and he put me in a band with him. So. Wow. What was the band name? Um, Detour. Detour. Yes. <laughs> this is the Untitled Podcast. You don't really hear a lot about the really great power pop drummers. Who was the guy who played with the Raspberries? Mm-hmm. 
remember the guy's name from the knack. That guy was also a ghost to being a band member who's playing for the songs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about like the Romantics? Do you know anything about them? What you'd hear on the radio in the 80s and of course it was it was a great tune. Oh, Talking real? in your sleep to me is still a great power is a great yeah, power, power pop, pop song. Smithereens to me. It was a great power pop band. Great band. I was talking about them the other day with Kathy, and I was like, gosh, you know, do those guys play anymore? What a great rock and roll band. That was, yeah, power pop. I love that band.
Respect towards the Beatles, but not just that. 
You know what a lot of these bands have too in common is they had a reverence for like girl groups in the 50s. I think that's where sort of the harmonies and stuff would come. Yeah, you got to know that Phil Spector certainly had, production had a big influence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and then the difference though is with the Phil Spector type production, you couldn't get power pop. I mean, power pop's real tight. We saw the knack. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there weren't very many people there because it was like huge storm outside. So we were right up front. <laughs> Yeah. And there, there probably wasn't 50 people in there, but they played and we just had a blast. Yeah. And I just remember jumping around, you know, and just like, it was just this infectious thing. You couldn't not move. You couldn't just stand there with your arm, arms crossed and watch it. No, they were rocking out. They were kicking ass. Yeah. And, and see, I had been waving the flag for that first Knack album forever, mm-hmm. you know, and of course people didn't take it seriously after the backlash and all that. That's a great record. Every, it is. Every track on it, I think is great. <laughs> Strange the monkey in the 
It's a damn shame that they kind of ended up in the waste bin of so-called one-hit wonders, but that album to me, five stars. If you don't like power pop, you really don't like rock and roll.
a band that I think that doesn't get called power pop mostly because of the time frame and the terminology being thrown around, but the cars. That's true, yeah. You don't hear them really labeled with that term. They, you know, they get thrown in there with new wave. Yeah. See, that's another thing about power pop songs is a guitar solo. They almost always had a guitar solo, but it was really brief, yes. to the point. It fit the song exactly. It would 99% of the time kind of mirror the hook. It would always touch the melody. It, yeah. Always had the touch and dance around the melody of the song. Really, the guy who produced a lot of that chrysalis power pop type stuff, Mike Chapman, he understood the formula. And Roy Thomas Beck. Wow. He knew yeah. that stuff well, too. Yeah. Excellent producer for that. <laughs> yeah. Show. One of the bands to me that did it brilliantly was the Posies. Their Frosting on the Beater record, about one of the best examples.
brilliant record. I love is when an artist is fully capable of doing those kinds of things masterfully, but it's not the only thing they do. And so I'm thinking of like a Elvis Costello. Amazing lyricist. Oh, the lyrics. I mean, just... well, when it comes to songwriting, the guy not only possesses these talents, but he's always educating himself. He doesn't just know the stuff off the top of his head. I mean, he goes and researches New Orleans music before mm -hmm. he does the album with Toussaint that he did, The River Runs Backwards, I believe. Blood and Chocolate, yeah. much later in his career. Yeah. There's like a million songs, obviously, and I hope to at some point do a podcast just on Elvis Costello. I hope you're happy now. Is there a more power pop song than that? He's a fan figure of a man in handsome too. With his eyes upon the secret places he liked to work Still he knows, he knows who and where he wrote with Paul McCartney, Elvis Costello was going to produce Flowers in the Dirt. And I remember when Flowers in the Dirt came out, reading about why Elvis Costello didn't end up producing that record. Somebody in McCartney's band almost sang like in a way that you might talk about a kid who didn't know what they're doing. Well, for some reason, he wanted us to bounce the vocals back and forth until we deteriorated the quality. And he was doing that intentionally. <laughs> and I remember reading that to Hunter and us both going, these guys have no clue. They don't understand. And where Elvis Costello gets that stuff. There's a lot of songs they did together that ended up on their separate albums. But the demos are those two guys sitting with a microphone. Wow, I'd, I, I, I'd like to hear that too. He lies the powder and perfume The pretty clothes are scattered round the room And it's so like candy He lies the lipstick and the face the color tablets keeping it all in place And it's so like candy So like candy What did I do to make it go? Why must she be the one that I have to love so? Lies 
so like candy And in her eyes a certain look I thought I'd seen the last of long ago And it's so like candy Just can't face the day So she turns and melts away In light the records that she scratched And on the sleeve I find a note attached And it's so like candy My darling dear, it's such a waste She couldn't say goodbye, but I admire your taste And that's so like candy So like candy When I saw R.E.M. the first time, me and Hunter, we were in a freshman in college, and they encored with, to me, one of the greatest power pop songs, which is Last Train to Clarksville. (laughs) Wow. The Monkees. Yes. Remember the movie about the fictitious band called The Wonders? That thing you do. Love that movie. Just recently got it on DVD so I could show it to my daughter.
they couldn't have even done the movie unless they had the right song. Because they play that song five or six times during the movie, mm-hmm. and you like it every single time. And it also evolves a little bit, becomes a little more um, sophisticated every time. Exactly. A little something more is added to it yeah. every time, yeah. you know. You know, and then you had the jam. And that kind of goes back to The Who, which was also one of the roots of power pop. Yeah. Can't explain. Well, that whole, I guess, mod scene very much. Precursor to power pop, I suppose. Again, it kind of came back to the economy of, really, we're writing this for a single. We got to have a hit. This is sort of like the statement that we have to make right up front, or we don't get to make any more statements. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Bands unknown and bands unknown. Bands like Red Cross. Then, of course, you've got bands who are so well-known. Weezer. They're, what are they doing? They're doing power pop. What's with these homies dissing my girl? What do they got up front? What did we ever do to these guys that made them so violent? But you know. Buddy 
what's funny about Weezer was I was just thinking about 50s music, which made me think of Happy Days. Yeah. And Rock Around the Clock. Yeah. And then the famous Weezer video. Have you seen yes. that? Yeah, uh-huh. with Fonzie dancing in the middle of their video. Yeah. It works. I mean, it's got, you know, it's got that little slight weirdness to it that makes it, made it more of its time. But, you know, there's so many bands like that. You remember that band? Because I am throwing out some, like, kind of random bands. That band who did Sausalito Summer Nights. Yes. I'm trying to think what their name was. They were called Diesel. Diesel. That was it. <laughs> Listen to like Buddy Holly. Oh, yes. And those are just the foundation for what you know you, you would do with Power Pop. A good 50s rock and roll drumming when it was just you know kind of turning jazz drumming. Just let's start, you know, straightening out and playing a, a two-four beat and backbeat on things. Right. Starting to put that backbeat in there. And that's an essential element in, in power pop. You know, you gotta have that backbeat, you know. I'll, I'll just throw out some to get your opinion on them. The bangles.
early Bengals going down to Liverpool. As soon as they're on the hall, it's hot. <laughs> Are we allowed to keep that in there? I think that's just a fact. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, good songs. Very 80s. And and during that time, I wasn't so much a purveyor of power pop as I was listening to Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. I was still sucking 75. So a lot of power pop, it would have taken me a little later on to have gotten into and bangles. Although I would have appreciated what I saw on MTV when I was a kid. I didn't go search any further. Well, to me, the album before they really broke Uh was the album. Okay. And it didn't have the shitty 80s production. I see. Uh, Matthew Sweet. That's Matthew an artist Sweet. I know you like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that girlfriend record. His greatest record to me. I want to love somebody. guess you consider those you know, new wave guys playing with him. He had, you know, what did he have like a... Um, yeah, the guy who played with Lou Reed and stuff. Okay. <laughs> I can't think of his name all of a sudden. The correct answer would be Robert Klein. A lot of those bands in the glam era, Bay City Rollers. Yeah. You know, that's power pop. <laughs> there comes your, you know, cavity from the candy. The ear candy, yeah. Know, from the ear. <laughs> How about the sweet? Glam enough that it was really cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Donnie Iris?
Yeah. <laughs> I do. How about Let's Active? John Heems played in, a, in one of the later versions of Let's Active. He, sh- he certainly did. That's another band, though. Very concise pop songs. Yeah. My daughters used to love to watch Powerpuff Girls. Hey, guys. This is Moko Dono. She's a performance criminal, and she's conceived some brilliant schemes that I think we should try. All the music was always Powerpuff stuff. Shonen Knife was this Japanese band of teenagers, just girls, and their parents didn't know about it. <laughs> like, they were kind of sneaking out and playing gigs and stuff, and their parents didn't know. Yeah, God bless them, man. <laughs> Take some action.
that Flaming song. Groovy, Shake yes, Some Shake Some Act. Gross. That was from 76. You can't, of course, forget Nick Lowe. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, cruel to be kind. Well, I do my best to understand you, but you're still mystified. And I want to know why I pick myself up off the ground to have you knock me back down again and again. And when I ask you to explain, you say you got to be cruel to be kind. Talk about a, I mean, yes. a guy who crafts songs. Yes. Yes. And then you had Marshall Crenshaw, another guy yeah. who, I think because he looked so much like Elvis Costello, people <laughs> were like, oh, he's Elvis Costello, right? They didn't give him his due. What do you know about Todd Rundgren? Yeah, that stuff is certainly a power pop. It's early 70s, radio friendly. He ended up in a version of The Cars at one point. Yeah, that's odd. Isn't that weird? It's just weird.
think of Rickenbacker guitar and power pop. Played through Vox amps. There you go. You know, that's good. another key element. I love that stuff, man. Right. I mean, right. that's hook and mouth. I love it. Listen to it all day long. <laughs> Oh, uh-huh. 
It really is the kind of music that you would play a single song over and over again. Power pop always kind of made you feel happy, made you feel like driving fast, and it always felt like summertime and windows down. Did I forget Urge Overkill? You did. Sister Havana? Saturation. Saturation. truly like the songwriting, but the Nevers, the band you're in. That was certainly where we found ourselves wanting to write songs of that style. Right. Badfinger, Big Star, Cheap Trick, that was just out of great melodies and cool guitar playing and driving drums. Promises will make it 
kinds of things that would have been determined to be something that you could play on the radio that had hooks that was cool that people would instantly like and then they could listen to over and over again you know you know you can't be self-indulgent kind of a discipline well you have to get in and get out yeah and leave them wanting more a power pop song to me is always like one potato chip even things by bands that we've long forgotten about, like Sniffing the Tears. These great, great songs. Yeah. It just gets you.
good power pop song everybody loves they do you can't dispute the quality this has been produced by donnie shattuck this episode is dedicated to jimmy bats